Welcome to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. Today, we are talking about personal finances as it relates to your business. Uh, this this could be one of those topics, Greg, where <laughs> talking about finances, uh, yeah. It can get sticky. This is, this is one of it those can get fun rough. topics that, <laughs> you know, it's interesting how everybody manages their finances a little differently. And they have different philosophies in how they deal with their personal finances. And then, you know, for our audience, how, it's, how they start their business and how they finance their business, it all is related. Mm-hmm. Luckily, oh yeah, we have somebody to help us today. Yes, Rita Williams-Green. She's an instructor at the University of Memphis. Hey, Rita, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Maybe you could teach us a, a little about personal finances, accounting, <laughs> all of these things that, that can be rough. You know, one of the things, so I, I ran a business for 13 years, and one of the things that I always just dreaded was the accounting part of it. Like that was just such not what I wanted to do. <laughs> it was because I don't know if I completely understand, understood what I was doing initially, you know, and then as, you know, time went through and, you know, probably, you know, year five or six or so, I started to feel a little bit more comfortable with it. But starting a business, I don't know if anybody's really comfortable in that finance, or I'm going to say, I would say the majority of people are probably not comfortable with stopping their secured paycheck, perhaps coming in. And now you're going in and you're starting a business. So let's, let's kind of start at the beginning of starting a business. And what do you need to do to your personal finances to prepare yourselves to give you the best shot at starting a business? I would actually say to look at your household as a business because indeed it is actually, we just don't tend to view it that way, but you have money coming in, you have money going out, uh, you Mm -hmm. own property or you buy things, you lease things, you sign agreements. Uh, It is in and of itself uh, a business. And the question is, are you running that successfully? Uh, You know, (laughs) do you have money? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have more coming in than you have going out? Uh, What is your profit and loss statement, uh, for example, at the end of each month when you are uh, establishing and running that household and all of the daily business that it incurs on on a daily basis? I mean, when you really think about it, you are spending resources, spending money from the time your eyes open to the time your feet hit the floor. Um, I I tell my students, you wake up, uh, your feet hit the floor, that's money. You have to pay for where you live. You snap on the lights, that's money, that's utilities. You know, you turn on the water, that's more money. Uh, So you are really actively uh, expending resources almost with every move you make. We just don't tend to consciously view it that way. I wonder, Rita... You know, because you bring up an excellent point about how you manage your your personal life and how it will kind of translate into how you're going to run your business. I wonder if you've ever seen cases where people don't do a good job on their personal life, but for whatever reason can relate it better in business and can run a business better than they can actually run their home. And and the first thing that comes to mind when I ask that question is a lot of times when you're running your home, you're dealing with a partner, a spouse. Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes when you're in a business, you're also working with a, a partner or a board of directors, or you're just running it on your own. So I'm wondering how that kind of translates as well. Yeah, you bring out a good point. And so then the question becomes, if your business is successful and you can do that better than you run your household, who is managing the business portion of each? In other words, if your strength is the creative part of your business and you have the business, the buying and the selling and the the contracts and all that good stuff, uh, if the partner is doing that, then it's possible that it's, it's, you know, everyone is playing to their strengths mm-hmm. and the partner is managing it well and you are managing the piece of it that you're uh, most, uh, that you enjoy the most probably, that you're managing the creative part of it. Yeah, I think Russ has talked about that in the past where he really enjoys like the marketing side of the business, doesn't really get into the finance side. But I guess if in those cases, Russ, you always find somebody or you've kind of grown to understand it better or you can just find somebody to take care of that part of your business. You know, that was the thing. It's like I took care of the parts that I felt that I was comfortable and take like, okay, budgeting and all of that. Like that was I was fine with that. It's when I got to the potential of the IRS stepping in. (laughs) Okay, this is where I have a professional accountant take care of things because that's the part that, uh, you know, billing. Okay, that's fine. I could deal with that. Getting everything over to QuickBooks and getting but the IRS, when that comes into play, oh man, that that's a scary thing for business owners. Oh, absolutely. Dealing with the taxes. Absolutely. And I think it's important to know what you're good at and what you're interested in doing. If you're not interested in the business piece, you don't want to talk to the IRS. Well, that's why we have specialists. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we have professionals. And um, I think some business owners, it's possible they bite off more than they can chew in terms of trying to take it all on. Uh, and no one person knows every single thing. So I think actually that's a, a very important thing to recognize is what is the portion of my business I need some assistance with? You know, it, what type of team do I need to pull together to assist me in this uh, business enterprise? Yeah. And I think that's a great point because I mean, if we're talking about financial risk, you're actually taking a greater risk by taking those activities on that you don't understand or don't know how to do. It, it's a bigger risk than if you hire somebody and, and you're paying them to do that. Oh, absolutely. And over time, as you are paying that professional, uh, you can probably learn a lot of it as you go. And that mm-hmm. at some point, you know, you may. In fact, that's how I learned how to do taxes. I was majoring in accounting in college, but I did my parents' taxes and I pulled their taxes from the tax preparer that they were paying. And so I kind of used it as a guide and I took that along with what I was learning in class and I just eventually took over it and started preparing it from that point on. And so, you know, learn from those professionals. You're already paying, (laughs) you're already paying for their (laughs) services. (laughs) So you might as well learn a little something uh, about what they're doing and, and the effect, the positive effect that it's having on your business. And I found those professionals are really good about answering your questions. I mean, you are paying them, so they should answer your questions. But I don't think that they're, you know, worried about losing your business if they give you the answer so you understand mm-hmm. it better. I, I found that those professionals are really good about just helping you through the process. Absolutely. And in, in fact, it's very important to ask those questions, even if you're not interested in uh, <laughs> that portion of it that you're hiring them to do. 
you you're not doing it, but you do want to be knowledgeable about it. I even tell spouses, um, even if you have one spouse that's managing the bills, that's you know keeping track of everything, it's important that the other spouse is aware. Even if they're they're not managing it, if something happens to the spouse that's managing the household business, the other spouse needs to be able to step in and pick up where they left off and keep things going. So ignorance is is not as blissful as we would <laughs> as we would like to think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, yeah. this is your business. This is money, right? You're, you're in business. Most people are in business to make money. And if you're not understanding how it's being managed, then, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice. So that makes a whole lot of sense what you're saying. What I'm really curious about, you know, a lot of our audience are entrepreneurs that, you know, they're starting their business. Some of them have started already and some of them haven't started. They're still thinking about it. For the people that are really at the very early stages, I've seen different recommendations as far as like how much money should they actually have to start a company? And then, you know, there's different rules and stuff like that. What would you tell somebody that's interested in starting a company? Like, what is it, if they want to self-fund, how much should they have, you know, you know, socked away somewhere to really start the company? That's a very interesting question. And, of course, the answer will vary widely based on the type of business that you are pursuing. Uh, so, for example, I have a consulting firm, and I do a lot of business education. I conduct a lot of workshops. And because the business is tied to my particular skill uh, in terms of my speaking or in terms of presentations, it doesn't require me to, for example, take out a lot of loans, uh, purchase equipment. I I don't have to necessarily borrow money to do that. I can just take the skill set and the resources I have uh, and use it uh, uh, to my benefit. So I will, for example, go on fedbizops.com. I'm sorry, fedbizops.gov, look at federal contracts. I'll look at different companies, see what type of vending opportunities are available in my particular area. So when it comes to the financial aspect of it, how much do you need to start? It's very strongly tied to the type of business that you have. So for example, if you are interested in starting a restaurant, Mm -hmm. then you would need to look at, well, what type are you trying to start? Are we looking at a brick and mortar type of business? Um, uh, and you, anyone can do the research to find out, well, what is the typical lease amount on a building? So, you know, if you're driving around, you see a, a empty rest building that a restaurant did was there, uh, that used to house a restaurant and you see a leasing sign there and you can always call up and just ask, you know, what's, what's the cost uh, for this space? Mm-hmm. And do the research in terms of the kind of restaurant you're running. What type of uh, prices are we talking about for the types of food you would have to order? Obviously, in a in a enterprise like a restaurant, there's a lot of things financially to consider. Versus if you're speaking of a more of a service based business. Yeah, I mean, let's say that I have a pretty good understanding of what my expenses are going to be. Okay. And you know, with lease and equipment and supplies and marketing, I have a a decent idea. Would you say that 
and I don't just going to just throw out a number. Let's just say my run rate is, is my costs are about, let's say $10,000 a month, just to kind of keep the numbers real easy. Okay. Would you say that I should have at least $100,000 in my personal bank account to start this company up or 200000 or, you know, is there a percentage? Just want to give our audience kind of a, you know, it, it, like you said, it's going to vary, but some type of window of guideline of what they should kind of think about. Because if, if my run rate's is $10,000, I only have $20,000 in the bank. I don't think I should start a company. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. What I would suggest is when you look at your personal finances and you know how much it takes for your household to run. So, for example, you are saying that your business will require $10,000. But if your personal household only requires, let's say, 3200 a month, in terms of expenses, when you add up your utilities and you add up your groceries and all that good stuff, I would shoot for, if, if it's $3,200 of expenses a month, six months of those expenses being saved, which puts us about $18,000 to $21,000, mm-hmm. so that as you're running your business, the money in your business can be used to support your business and you're not totally dependent on that money to support your household. So in other words, you can freely run your business, get it on its legs, so to speak, while the money for your household is already has already been saved up and you're not seriously concerned about you know, losing your house (laughs) (laughs) or not being able to eat because you've already put that money aside. I think that's at least a a good approach to start. You know, what I love about that is that is exactly what I did. I had six months when I first started my, my first business. I planned out for six months of my personal expenses and it was in January that I started the business. Like, you know, I just started at January 1st, or I'm sorry, January 5th. And I said, okay, by Cinco de Mayo, <laughs> that's five months. I should be, I should be good so that, you know, by the sixth month, I'm either, I'm, I'm happy and I'm going to continue running the business or I got to start looking for a job because I have one month left. <laughs> yeah. like that, that was kind of my, my way of doing it because I think if I didn't have that, that safety net there, there's no way I would have started it. I, I, I don't think I, I, I think the risk would have been too great. So I, I think six months, yeah, is is a kind of a, a good number to throw in there, and not just because I did it, but now because you said it. So I feel I feel comfortable. Yeah, that, that's awesome because I often don't run into too many business owners that tend to think that way. Um, it just takes the pressure off. When you're running that business, mm-hmm. particularly when you first get started, you don't want to be worried about how to pay your rent. And how to put food on the table. You want to be free to Mm -hmm. really uh, get that business going in the best way possible. Because the business, you you see, has a life of its own. It has to survive. It has its own expenses. You may not be able Mm -hmm. to even pay yourself a salary initially. So you may not even want to count on that uh, for the first six months just to be on the safe side. And then as you see your profits increasing, then you can go ahead and make an allocation to begin to pay yourself something. Okay, we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about credit, loans, and planning for the financial unexpected. (laughs) We'll be right back right after this. You know, a great way to promote your business is a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So you're listening to a podcast and we're telling you to make a podcast. How 
cool is that? Yeah, well, okay, where do we do it? We do it on Anchor. And why? Well, because they do all the work for you. They distribute the podcast. You can edit your podcast right on your phone or within your computer. Uh, Everything you need for a podcast is right there in one place. Just go and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right. Welcome back to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Today, we are joined by uh, Rita Williams Green from the University of Memphis. And we're talking about personal finances as it relates to your business. And I know I went to break there, Greg. I interrupted your train of thought. I saw like I did. I an had amazing this, question. I had this burning question. You just cut me off. Right? I know. Just cut me off. I know. So <laughs> I, I won't cut you off now. I'll let you let you get right into it. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it's funny because a lot of business owners are so optimistic. Like I'm going to start my business and I'm going to have customers from day one because a handful of people already told me they're going to be a customer. Well, you know, maybe you need more than five. I don't know. But I think because a lot of people go in it with an optimism, sometimes they don't look at it like you were just saying. It's like allocate six months of not having any income or not taking any salary just so you know that you can survive that that startup period because, as we all know, not everything goes as planned and, and things could pop up and maybe you don't have more than those first five customers for six months. What do you do then? So I think your advice is really smart about, you know, just allocate just in case worst case scenario situations happen. Oh yeah. It's important to be prepared for the unexpected. And it's just one of those things in life. You know, that's the reason why, for example, in our households, we have insurance. You don't know what's going to happen. And when you have that six months and I say six months, you, you know, six months or more, of savings already put aside, uh, that's a little bit of a nice safety net. Uh, and because I find when people rely on the business too much for their personal households, then sometimes the businesses suffer because the business needs that money too, you see, uh, to survive. And sometimes we have to invest a little more of those profits, put them back into the business initially until that uh, that baby I like to call it. <laughs> uh, after it finishes crawling and it gets on its legs and it starts to walking. And after a while, if you if you really build it right and you take your time, it'll be up and running. You know, that's a great point because, you know, if your personal finances aren't in a good shape, you may have to cut back on the business finances so you can't make certain decisions. You don't have the flexibility to make certain decisions that might be really good decisions for your company, but you just don't have the money to do it or it's too risky at that time financially to do it. So you better get your household in order, I guess, huh? Oh, it's absolutely important. Uh, In fact, your business has no life without you. And so when you initially apply for business credit, you know, when you think about it, uh, the uh, lenders, the different creditors are looking at your credit, you see, personally, and mm-hmm. turn because that's all you have. You just have yourself. And you are now embarking on this adventure to business ownership. So until that business begins to have its own transactions and get its own vendors, then it's your credit that they are relying on heavily as to whether uh, you are worthy, for example, of that loan. Uh, or that capital that you're seeking. 
I was going to let you ask. The okay, question I can ask a question. So, so Rita, you're talking about getting loans, which we really haven't dived into yet. You know, you're, you know, you, you're right. They're they're looking at your personal finances, determining how much you're, you know, they can loan to you because obviously it's a risk you know, situation, risk analysis for them, for for the banks. You know what? information do the do the banks typically look for so for these business owners if they're going to apply for a loan what should they have ready to talk to the banks oh sure you definitely want to talk about what type of assets uh you have or that you own in your business what type of debt do you already have actually what the lenders want to know as it relates to your business is not very much different from what they want to know as a person, you know, if you were going in for a personal loan, they want to know the same thing. What do you own? What do you have? <laughs> uh, if you run into a situation where you can't pay us, uh, what do you have to liquidate so that we can get our money? You see, uh, <laughs> this is the reason why when you purchase something, you know, you go out and you purchase a car. Well, the bank that you borrowed the money from to purchase the car, they're just allowing you to drive it. You see, they're mm. the ones that <laughs> they're holding the title. You know, they just want to mm-hmm. make sure that, you know, we're all good, that you're going to make all the payments. And so likewise, uh, when you go in to get that loan, you'll want to really kind of think about what that banker is communicating to you in terms of can you get that loan without collateral? Is the banker saying that you'll need collateral and how much are you willing to put on the line? Now, if you're already in a very profitable position, you may be able to take on a little more risk and you would have to communicate to the banker very uh, clearly. What is your plan for the future? How has your business been operating so far Uh, that um, banker will be looking for those uh, income statements, profit and loss statements, your balance sheet? And then wanting to know what your vision is for the future. Just as much as if you were starting a business and you wanted that bank to help fund it, they will be looking for the same thing. The only difference is they will be looking for you to forecast uh, where you think you're going mm-hmm. <laughs> with it. Right. Uh, so if you're already started, that kind of gives you a leg up because you can already demonstrate to the banker, hopefully, that you have a successful business already. And you can communicate that you're ready to get to the next level and you need their assistance doing so. You know, that's actually that's an an interesting thing too. the forecasting. So when you're starting a business, you know, Greg said generally, you know, you're going to be pretty optimistic about your future. So you could sort of mess up those forecasts where you're a little too optimistic, where, you know, you're thinking that you're going to get way more customers than you actually think. When applying for a, a, a loan, is it better to be a little like kind of tone that down a little bit and and, and not be so optimistic in your uh, forecasting? You definitely want to be realistic. And, and, and a banker will know uh, to a certain degree whether or not you're being realistic because if you put down numbers that are really big – and really optimistic. Uh, the question then is, can you support that data? Uh, can you really justify, you know, for example, if you go in and you say, well, you know, I'm going to make 1.5 million, whereas last year I only made 750,000. Then the next question would be, well, how are we going to 
double those profits. <laughs> What's mm-hmm. going on? Now, a, a banker would think that you that your estimate is based in reality. If he saw that you had a purchase contract with someone, maybe you just hadn't fulfilled mm-hmm. it yet. But hey, you know, we, we have something tangible that we can see. I can see uh, these orders that you have. I can see some commitments. And so there's a reasonable expectation in a situation like that, that the money is coming. What you're asking the bank mm-hmm. for is I need some capital so I can get this money in. So that that's different right. than just saying, oh, you know, yeah, I really believe I'm going to um, have 1.5 million and absolutely, you know, no clue other than big dreams uh, as right. to, <laughs> as to thing it coming <laughs> right. in. Yeah, I think I think uh, in in advising businesses over the years, I think you've, we've we've all probably seen <laughs> the pie in the sky dreams yeah. and you know for, forecasting gone wrong. Um, actually, uh, Greg, I'll let you ask the. Uh, you know, we've been kind of a little bit diving into getting uh, you know a loan from a bank, but another alternative that you know business owners should look into is finding an investor. And there's a whole bunch of different types of investors out there. I, I heard a line. It's like friends, families, and fools, right? That <laughs> will invest in a startup company. Uh, I don't think anybody's a fool for starting up, you know, for getting a, for investing in a company. But I think, you know, going the investor route offers different opportunities than just going to a bank. Now, obviously you have to pick the right investor, but, you know, going to an investor, they may bring some level of expertise as well as money that uh, could really help a business owner. But then usually these investors want to have some say <laughs> in the direction right. of the business where a bank does it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what you're feeling on that, Rita. I, I would agree. I think it depends on who the investor is. And if, if you're talking about family and friends, for example, I think that's a great option. But I would caution people to make sure you're very realistic about what your friends or what your family's expectation is. Are they for, you know, in other words, if they want a return on the investment, I would assume that they would. Are they willing to wait till whenever it comes? Mm-hmm. Do they have an mm-hmm. expectation that, you know, we expect to see, in a, in, you know, our return back in about three years? What you don't want to do is compromise the family relationship over yeah. money. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the little bit of a sticky part with family and friends. It, it can work beautifully. It just depends on, again, what those expectations are. And sometimes if we don't clearly communicate them, then it can make things difficult later. If you have investors with the expertise, of course, that's a huge plus. And again, usually investors, particularly if you don't know them, they will usually make their um, intentions and their expectations very clear on the front end. Um, <laughs> you know, everybody knows the show Shark Tank. Uh-huh. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, we see all of the willing and the dealing, you know, at the end, give me X percent of your business and I'll give you X amount of dollars of capital. What I always wonder is uh, when it's time to actually sign the documentation, you know, what are those uh, those little details that's not discussed <laughs> on camera concerning when that investor really expects to get that money back, recover their investment. And there even may be a clause for him to pull out at a certain point. 
You know, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know personally, you know, I haven't been on the show, uh, but be clear on what that investor is asking for. And are you willing to give the investor what they're asking for? Uh, it, are you giving away so much of your business that you actually are working for the investor instead of working for mm-hmm. yourself? These these are some things you'll yeah. want to consider. And that's, you know, that's another point where you got to bring in an, an expert. You know, I, I think having a having a lawyer friend is great <laughs> or just, you know, having a lawyer. Uh, that's definitely something that you need to have when dealing with those uh, partnership type of agreements or investment uh, in agreements. Because if you don't have somebody that knows what they're doing running through that, you can make some real mistakes later down the road. Yeah. It's some unexpected uh hey, There's a reason problems. why it's called shark. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. Uh, so, okay, let's let's uh, talk about just kind of. This is a, a broad topic. We, we talked about you know the risks. We've talked about loans. We've talked about things like that. What about just the keys to financial success? What do we need to to know as a business owner going in? You're, you're starting, you know, you're, you're having your, your baby as you, as you said earlier, I love that uh, (laughs) teaching it how to walk, teaching it how to um, talk and all of that. What are the keys to financial success for a business owner? I think for a business owner, having a very solid vision of what you want from that business is, is very important. Even to the point where, even as you're starting your business, you make a decision as to when you want to end it. And so that that may sound a little odd. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some business owners that may, you know, feel like, well, I'll I'll go on forever. You know, th- this would be generational. I'll I'll leave it to my kids. But then that may be a little presumptuous. And as mm-hmm. you know from the past year, uh, with the pandemic and everything that went down um, in 2020, a lot of businesses that were very solid. Uh, began to suffer. And so Mm -hmm. I I think for any business, having a very solid vision of what you want to see, but having a vision that adjusts as time goes on. So your vision uh, will expand at certain times because you see opportunities. Just as some businesses were suffering, there were some businesses actually that took off as a result of everything that's going on because they had something that was in demand all of a sudden. Or they were able to take their resources, and even though their primary business was not in demand anymore, they were able to pivot and move to something Mm -hmm. that people really did want, and they were able to survive. So knowing your resources, knowing what you can and what you cannot do. For example, I teach uh, at a university, but I'm always looking at if that job ended all of a sudden, what else could I do? What mm-hmm. is my skill set and what can, how can I use it in the marketplace to bring me income? Same thing with a business. Mm-hmm. You may be in a business doing one line of work, but if that ended or if that dried up, what's your backup plan? What other things can you do with those resources if you had to mm-hmm. change so that if something does happen, you have some other options. You have some other things that you can look at and that you can do. Also, you want to have some kind of plan in place in case of, I will use the term disaster, but that could be uh, very broad. 
Uh, for example, if you had a building and you were operating an office, if it flooded, what you know, what what's your plan? Do you have a system where all of your data was backed up? Um, do you have sufficient insurance? Is there anything in that building that you really cannot afford to lose that perhaps you need to store off-site or somewhere else? So having some kind of contingency plan uh, in case of a natural disaster, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's important to have on hand. Uh, so for business owners have a lot to think about and a lot to consider. But if that vision is strong, if they have some other uh, business ideas, other resources that they can go to, and if they have a plan in place for, uh, for contingencies, disasters, any kind of uh, problem, and you're heavily insured. <laughs> or I will say sufficiently insured. Oh, yeah. Uh, then you should, oh, you, yeah. Should be in, you should be in good shape because uh, at some point, you know, you'll decide just like your household ebbs and flows. I started off, I was single. I purchased a home not long after I graduated from college. I got married at some point had a child at some point, and you continue to grow. And when you grow, your needs change. Well, same thing with businesses. Mm-hmm. You start off with your business at one level. You may decide to expand. And then depending on how much risk is involved, you may decide to pull back. You may decide you want to sell it at some point. There may be an investor that steps in and says, well, sell it to me and I'll franchise it. And you may uh, decide, you know, that sounds good. I'll take the money and run. (laughs) Or or you may say, you know, no, I think I want to, you know, bring this investor in, but I want a little piece of the pie, but I'll just let them Mm -hmm. take over the rest of it. And, (laughs) And so being able to make those adjustments over time and know and know your needs and what works for you actually is very important. You don't have to be married to one way of doing business just because you start off with one thing in mind doesn't mean that particular thing won't change over time, just depending on circumstances. Mm -hmm. All right, Greg, I'm going to I'm going to interrupt and not let you ask a question right here, even though I know you've got a question. But because I'm going to ask sort of a negative question, I don't want to end on a negative question here. But here's the negative question. You're looking at your finances. They're not doing so hot. Um, At what point does a business owner need to throw in the towel if things aren't going well? What's the financial financial signals, I guess? Well, you know, it depends on whether or not you think you can uh, survive that particular challenge. If you're not doing very well, the question is, how long have you not been doing very well? Mm-hmm. How long do you think you can survive it? Uh, for example, you used the example uh, earlier where you said, well, I went to business in January and I figured, well, let me see what's happening by the time I get to May. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll want to make a target. How long can you keep, so to speak, bleeding before I've got to right. get... Uh, some some emergency assistance here and and uh-huh. go ahead and count my losses and just, you know, cut my losses and just go ahead and exit. And so once you determine that time frame, you've already determined, well, I'll give it three more months, for example. You know how much money you're working with. I'll give it three more months. I think I can pay the lease on this building and I can kind of keep going for that of length of time. So based on 
how many resources you're working with and what your obligations are. I would just encourage everyone to just pick a time frame, whether it's three months or five months, as to how long you think you can make it. And then, of course, by that time, you'll know for sure either things will turn around, you'll see sales go up, you'll see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, or, you know, you you may make a decision that it's time, you know, to close the curtain, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that's OK, too, because I would tell people, um, you know, failure is, is feedback. Just because yeah. your business enterprise mm-hmm. did not was not successful, do what you can to learn from it. So the next time you decide to embark upon it, you know what to avoid. You've learned some things from it. I would just say, Mm -hmm. you know, get out before you lose too much. But what that too much is may be different, of course, for everyone. Yeah. And then and hopefully, you know, as you set that kind of exit plan or exit date uh, for your business, you know, for me, uh, I, I didn't realize until probably August that, oh, shoot, I, I passed my deadline, <laughs> you oh. know, because everything went well. So I was I was happy about that, uh, that I just sort of blew past it. And hopefully, you know, the, those that are listening to this podcast, even though I asked, a, you know, kind of a downer of a question, you, you turned it around for me. You made, you made a, good, uh, <laughs> a good answer. <laughs> That's right. It, it works out sometimes. Sometimes things just turn around. And when, even when I said, you know, get out before you lose too much. And, and again, this is totally an individual decision. I would tell a person, get out before you lose your marriage. You know, <laughs> someone else may feel like, well, this dream is so strong that I, I, I've, mm-hmm. I've got to see it through. You know, so we, mm-hmm. we've all heard the different stories. Uh, for example, the movie Pursuit of Happiness where the young oh, man um, um, becomes homeless even uh, yeah. at a certain point uh, with yeah. a child, but it paid mm-hmm. off, you know, yeah. not to say that yeah. that was his plan. I don't think his plan was to become homeless. It's just, you know, circumstances kind of turned yeah. out that way, but he was able, and I'm sure he was motivated, especially having a child to dig in even deeper uh, mm-hmm. to be able to survive. So sometimes those negative uh, circumstances can be the thing that turns it around for you. It can cause you to toughen up, push on past it. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with uh, just cutting your losses and saying, you know, I'm done and I'm not sure anymore. If this is the direction I should go in, let me explore some other avenues. I think that's great advice, Rita. And I really appreciate you you coming on with us today. I mean, people really need to take to heart some of the uh, some of the uh, advice that you provided today because I think it'll really help them make some decisions on their business, um, both on a financial point of view as well as a philosophical point of view of whether they should pursue it or not pursue it or you know when to look at different options. So thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It was it was awesome. And I hope, you know, uh, your business owners uh, are successful uh, in their pursuits. And I'm sure they're learning a lot uh, based on your podcast. I know they're getting a lot out of it. Hey, and I got a lot out of this interview. Thank you so much, Rita. All right. So please do listen to our podcast each week. We ask that you subscribe and rate us on whatever application that you're listening to us on. And we've got some great guests coming up more 
fun guests like Rita. I laughed a lot today. I love that. Hey, and all of the information, by the way, that we include in the podcast is advice. You know, it, it might work for you. It, it might not. We try our best to help you grow your business. That is our goal to help out the businesses that listen to us. We thank you so much for listening to us each week. And again, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for rating. We will talk to you next week.